What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Things You Don't Hear in Church podcast. My name is Ethan. This is obviously not the normal intro that we do, but we got a new system that we are trying to figure out and whatnot. And so just a lot of troubleshooting, setting up. This is only the second week that we've used it. And um, we have the ability to change scenes now to look at just our guests, just us, both of us. And so the settings were off when it was just on us and the parts where we were talking ended up just getting muted. Now from the actual content, it didn't take away too much. So that's not a big problem. But for the intro, we did wanna just let you know because that part was missed. Our guest today, his name is Marcel. He's got a TikTok called Project 215 and he's got an Instagram as well. His YouTube is Project 215 and he has a website, Project 215.org. He deals a lot of, with biblical teaching, apologetics, and really trying to help people be able to defend the faith, right? And so he's going to be talking to us today about biblical literacy, the need for biblical literacy. And it was a really amazing conversation. So stick around and we will see you in the show. Marcel, how's it going? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, anything what's... you missed there, like in that intro that you want to plug? YouTube, anything like that? Um, oh, well, since you asked a couple of things, um, of course, you mentioned Project 215. My my TikTok is Study Project 215. Mm. Um, most of my stuff is there right now. It's also on the in Instagram, same name, Study Project 215, if you want to really mostly see videos of my two-year-old. <laughs> um, also, um, project215.org is where a lot of my written stuff is. There are articles cool. and things like that about hot topics, um, things that, well, things that you might not hear in church. There actually. you go. <laughs> um, Perfect. Is that it? Um, well, I also, um, this is not related to Project 215, but I do also have a novel out called The Ending. Wow. Um, which folks may be very, very interested in. It's about a guy who finds out he's in a novel. So it's like a, a conversation between him and his creator. Um, I'm really proud of it. And it, it actually helped me through something that I, I may get a chance to talk about, hopefully. Cool. Yeah, yeah that sounds fantastic. It. We'd love to hear about it, like, um, towards, the, towards the end of, like, uh, the whole novel and the journey and all that yeah. stuff. Is it on Amazon? Sure. It is on Amazon. There we go. Then. There you go, guys. Go buy his book. By Marcel. Go buy Make him the best-selling author on New York. <laughs> Although New York Times best-selling well, author be gets a lot of flack for, like having every author on there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I would say it's easy, but I'm not one. So I'm not going to say that. It's so difficult. It's extremely difficult. That's well, because you're a hipster. If you're a mega church pastor, all you got to do is write a book, have your church buy tons of books that they're then going to sell. And so then they don't lose money and you become a New York Times bestseller. Oh, well, all I got to do is um get a mega church. Yeah, break start. my theology down enough to start a mega church. <laughs> It'll be good. Don't know how I cram it into a book though. Yeah. <laughs> um, another fun fact is that um, Marcel actually is from the same city that I was from. So before mm -hmm. we recorded back when I was in Michigan, we got to hang out and and talk for a little bit, and it was it's really fun when you're able to meet your like the people you invite on the podcast in real life. It's like, well, this is yeah, this is fun. Eventually, yeah. we'll be able to fly people out to be in a real studio somewhere someday. Plug the Patreon. That would be. <laughs> that's the dream. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Mm -hmm. But yeah, so Project Two Fifteen. Uh, that seems like it's it's from a Bible verse, and and so I'd love to hear about like the whole story behind it, the thought process behind mm -hmm. it, and really what brought you to TikTok and this ministry, if you would call it a ministry. I would uh, call it a well. Um, so Project 215, it is uh, based on a Bible verse. By the way, if you decide to search Project 215 on YouTube, there is a colon between the 2 and the 15. Mm. I should have brought that up earlier. But it's based on 2 Timothy 215, which if you if you read the King James is study to show yourself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Um, nice. So that's where the study comes from when project 215 is taken for some inexplicable reason um and the whole purpose behind it and the reason i chose that verse in particular is because there is such a i found 
there, there's such a lack of genuine study of the scriptures in the church, especially I should say the, the modern Western church. Um, the way the Bible is taught, quote unquote, and I, I almost have to put taught in quotes because we don't we don't really teach the Bible. We take scriptures, individual scriptures, and say, well, okay, how can I apply this scripture to my life in my situation? And we we rail against the the skeptics and the atheists and the Muslims and all the non-Christians for taking the Bible out of context when it, it, it almost seems they learn from the masters. We we will are, are quick to rip a scripture out of context and say, um, this is how it applies to me without even thinking about, you know, and I, and I say this when someone asks me how to study the Bible, um, people jump straight to what does this verse mean before? Well, first they jump straight to what does this mean to me? Mm-hmm. When before that, they should just be asking, what does it mean? Right. And before that, most importantly, they should be asking, what does it say? Yeah. So you jump straight to what does it mean to me before even what it says? And it's actually um, it's actually kind of ironic that I use the second Timothy 215 because we use that when we talk about you need to study your Bible, study to show yourself approved. Mm-hmm. When even then the word study doesn't mean study in the way that we use it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Greek word there, I forget the word, actually means to um, to work hard, to to be diligent. So it, it doesn't mean study as in pick up books. So even that is, and that's kind of another reason I used it because I looked it up and I'm like, hmm, that's not what they mean by study. But it kind of still applies right? because the other reason I use that particular verse is it's, um, it's studying to show yourself approved to God. And um, when I think of that word approved, think of getting, say, approved for a loan. Um, when you're when you're going to get approved for a loan, what they do? Sorry, I was flying. Um, when you're going to get approved for a loan, the the bank they look at your credit, they look at your history, they look at how diligent you've been with your money up to this point, and they decide whether or not you're approved, whether or not we can trust you with our money, and that's and so you have to. Um, and this is from Second Timothy. So it's Paul telling Timothy to work hard, study, be diligent to show yourself or to show God rather that he can trust you with his word, that you're that you are working for him and that you're rightly dividing the word of truth, that you're you're doing it correctly. And the the most interesting part of that to me is the a workman that need not be ashamed. Because I think we've all had situations and I've seen situations where someone points something out about the Bible. I actually saw it. Well, I see it on TikTok every day, but I saw it today. Someone pointed out that psalm about the bashing the babies against the rocks. You know, it's a favorite of those who who want to tear Christianity down. But there was um, some atheists brought this up to a believer and he didn't know what to say. It was almost like he didn't know that was in the Bible. Mm. So he could not rightly divide the word of truth. Mm. And he was ashamed. So that's the that's the big long story behind <laughs> um why I chose that. And that's what um that's what Project 215 is about. It's about equipping ordinary people, people who not only may not have the best education, but may not have access to the best education mm. or may not even know where to begin. People who, who want to study the Bible, who want to learn the scriptures, learn theology, but they don't even know where to start um, because that's that's the boat I found myself in about a little over a decade ago. And I, and I know that there are millions, literally millions of people like me. So uh, my goal is to get, is to not only show people how to study the Bible and how to rightly divide it, but that you don't necessarily need to be a theologian to be a, to be a PhD in order to do this stuff. That 
you can that you can do it. It's not insurmountable. You you hear people talking and using all these all of these big words and quoting scripture off the top of their heads left and right, and you feel like I'm I'm never gonna get there. I'm I'm never gonna be able to do that. And you can do it. You you just have to begin and you'll eventually get there. So that's my goal. That's what I want to do for people. Yeah, I really like that point that you made about like you can do it and it will take time. And, but overall, you can do it because that's something that like my mother-in-law even says when because I was I've started this Bible college and I'm taking like one class like a semester right now just because I'm like I don't really want to do a whole lot. But she's like, you know, time goes by. So like the idea that like you do a little bit over the course of a long time, you'll eventually get there and it won't mm-hmm. feel like a lot of work. So I think that's that's so true and that's true with like so many things, right? Like I like to compare spiritual life to a lot of. Um, Now, you, no one thinks that like, oh man, I got to be like this huge power lifter next year. It's like, well, you're going to, it's going to take a couple years to do that. Or even like next month, people don't think that. They know it's like little disciplines every day that lead to the big growth. And so I just think that that's such an important point to remember for our spiritual life because the same principle applies. Yeah, definitely. Oh yeah, definitely. And, um, and someone, I actually got a message from someone the other day asking me, how do I, how do I memorize scriptures? And um, uh, um, I'm probably going to make a lot of references, but <laughs> I, I, I kind of had to pull an Omni-Man on him. said, that's the neat thing. You don't, you don't go into script. You don't go into the Bible planning to memorize scripture. Hmm. Um, and that's another thing that I try to do is show people where to begin because i guess a a little background about um you know where i how i started because you know i grew up your i grew up in your average black church baptist super charismatic Mm. um lots of fun great music yeah Uh, i was a musician for a while um but at the end of the day you're 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 walking out and we've we've done this before because my 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 current pastor has has pointed this out to me and he's he's pulled this on us from when we when we go into a service and it's it's really hyped and really great you walk out and you say man that service was amazing that that was powerful and he'll ask yeah it was what did he talk about we're like don't know don't remember what he talked about because we because we just remembered how we felt and that's um you know that that's the environment that i grew up in so when i i came to a bit of a crisis when i was when i I came to a bit of a crisis when i was like 19 20 i was in college at the time you know college stuff but of course you know i thought i was super christian i thought i was the man so i thought i'd i'd take on the atheists (laughs) and um i got eaten alive yeah um, it, it shook me up a little bit, but this is, um, and I, I hope this is, this is a note for the whole, the deconstruction thing too, because I, I sort of entered my own deconstruction phase where it's mm-hmm. not like, oh, I, I couldn't answer these atheists. So that means Christianity is bogus. It's time for me to, to go, um, do whatever I want, uh, conveniently, but it's more like, okay, this is what I believe. I still believe it, but I now realize that I have no idea why I believe it. Mm. So if I'm going to believe this, I am going to believe it because nothing else can stand up against it. Oh, and so that's where, but still, where do you start? Where do you begin? Yeah. How do you, how do you go from being, you know, the, um, money cometh to me now which we used to do in my old church how do you go from that to from where we are now and it it really started um, and it was a it was kind of a, a stroke of providence actually because it my my brother just happened to argue with this atheist at his job all the time and the hmm. atheist suggested to him that he read the screw tape letters wow. uh, by c.s lewis Whoa. because he thought he'd like it um and so he did and he gave it to me and I read it, barely understood it, but 
I, I read it, got it on audio so I can understand it a little better. Nice. And of course, got into C.S. Lewis and it kind of snowballed from there. So it, it's weird because we can kind of have an atheist to thank for this um, <laughs> for this journey. It goes to show you that God will use anybody whether you want right. to or not. But um, I find that that is a, that a good place to start. And this is also why I write fiction. Hmm. A great place to start is getting into not necessarily diving straight into theology, but really just diving into the concept of it, of the hmm. theological concepts. Um, and a, a great example I can give you is um, a, a, someone who read, who actually read my book, uh, the ending. They told me that the there was there's a line in the book that the writer says to uh, the main character's name is Stan, um, that the writer says to him because he wants him to write the ending of his own story, um, but there are rules to it, and he tells you. Um, she, she said this; it stuck with her that he told him, "Yes, it is your ending, but it's still my story." Um, and that, for them, were like, we're um, it it kind of snowballs into the um, for them into the sovereignty of God. Now, whether that person eventually became a Calvinist, I don't know, but um, but hmm, I lost my train of thought. But um, yeah, that um. If we we can explore concepts in in a way that is relatable to us, um, it makes it easier to find these things in the Bible. Because then people will ask me, okay, well, what does the Bible say about this, or what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say about that? Um, so you will like that that line. Okay, it's my story. It's your ending, but it's still my story. Where did you get that from? Then I can take them to the Bible. This is what it says about God's sovereignty. And where is it? Oh, it's in this. It's in this, um, it's in this letter, for example. And that's another thing I do. Um, changing our language helps a mm. ton um, in kind of breaking down a barrier between people and the Bible. Because again, people look at this Bible like it's this insurmountable, like it's this insurmountable thing. Mm -hmm. And you know, it's holy. It's holy and it's good that people treat it as holy, but because people treat it as holy, sometimes they treat it as untouchable. Mm -hmm. And so when I say, if I say, oh, you can find this in the book of Romans, you know, they're thinking about this, this glowing book that it, you open it up and it's supposed to give you this mystic knowledge. And then they try to read it. They have no idea what it's saying because mm -hmm. they probably read the King James and they're not familiar with that type of writing. Right. Mm -hmm. And they're like, okay, well, I don't understand. The, I don't understand the Bible. Uh, this is boring. I'm falling asleep, and yeah. I can just get this from church on Sunday. So never mind. Right. Um, when really, if I but you you'll be surprised how effective it is if instead of saying go to the book of Romans, I'll say, well, in Paul's letter to the Romans or in Paul's letter to the church in Rome, he said this, and it gives you this, it puts, it first of all puts you in the mind of instead of I'm reading the Bible right now, it's not, I'm reading a letter that this apostle wrote to this church. Right. Mm -hmm. It makes it, it makes it easier to understand, easier to put in because that's, um, because that's context yeah. right there. You're yeah. giving people context without saying, hey, let me put that in context for you. For mm -hmm. sure. For sure. So connecting yeah, and I um I I told my, my wife is on my wife is a little newer to the faith than I am, mm. and she uh she started reading through the Bible, and she um she would tell me like she would see like real people or real places mm. and things like that, and I'll tell her like oh this is this place we were talking about um we were talking about Ephesians, mm. I was like yeah if you if you go to Ephesus. They still, you know, sometimes they, I heard they still sell the little Artemis statues as souvenirs. Yeah, the whole ancient city like, is still there. Yeah. This is like, you can go, I'm like, yeah, you can go to Ephesus. Despite <laughs> what people will tell you, it's not a whole, it's not long ago in a galaxy right. far away. Right. These, these places, 
still exist. Some of them are under several, some of them are under several yards of dirt, but some <laughs> of them you can still visit. Yeah. And um, just putting it in, putting it in, putting it in perspective that way, mm. it helps people to see that it's so much easier to have faith when you're, when you're realizing I'm not just throwing I'm just not just throwing um, logic to the wind mm. and saying, oh, that's just what I believe. Mm -hmm. It's like, no, this is here. These are real people. This stuff actually happened. Mm. It's as real as the stuff that you read in your history books. Mm. Um, the resurrection of Jesus is as much of a historical event as anything that happened to Julius Caesar or Napoleon right. or Teddy Roosevelt. Yeah. Um, and um, people, I find that people respond to that. People, uh, well, Christians respond to that. Mm -hmm. Non-Christians don't tend to like it very much. But when you when you tell people that kind of stuff, they they flock to it and they they keep coming back because people want to be able to not just and I, I should say defend their faith. People want to be able to defend their faith, mm. but. They mostly want to be able to defend it from the attacks that come from the inside. Yeah, I mean, yeah. because you know, if somebody, some like some, if somebody on the internet comes up to me and says, and it happens all, being a being a Christian TikToker, it, you you almost get used to it. You, you'll just be sitting there minding your own business, talking about the Bible, and somebody does the the online equivalent of just kicking the door in and saying, right. "God's not real," and running away. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, well, okay. Well, I, I guess I'm an atheist now. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, then you got me. But, 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 but that kind of stuff. And and if you're, as Paul would say, weak in faith, that might that might rattle you a little bit. Mm. But even then, you know, you're gonna get hungry and have some lunch and forget it happened. Mm. But when you're when you're reading the Bible and you're like, it says that this man died hmm. and came back to life that's gonna if you don't have the if you don't have the tools to put all that in perspective that's gonna rattle you a lot more than some bored person telling you god's not real right um so that's why it's um that's why for me that's then that's what apologetics is mm -hmm. for me and i know i'm I'm kind of getting. I'm kind of all over the place here. I know. That's all good. It's good stuff. Because um, but that's what apologetics. That's what apologetics is for for me. Um, we've we've take we've gotten so used to arguing about everything that we've kind of taken apologetics to a point that we forget that we're supposed to be able to give a we're supposed to be able to give a a defense mm -hmm. for what we believe. Um, emphasis on defense. When you start attacking people with apologetics, <laughs> you're doing it wrong. Um, and it, what it does is it it's and it's a way of it's a way of guarding your heart, hmm. as you say, and guarding your mind. Hmm. And this is another um, another thing. Just really quick, is our culture emphasizes being open minded so much. Like you're, you're they say you're closed minded. I hate when people say that too. I prefer narrow-minded because if you're, how do you? Oh, <laughs> but you're, you're closed, like you're closed-minded because you know I don't accept everybody's beliefs. I don't accept everybody's lifestyle. So not even I don't even accept everybody's economic systems. If I don't agree with literally everybody, I'm closed-minded, and it's gotten to a point where that's that's sort of taboo in our culture, being not being open to things. Um, and so they say, you know, I'm open-minded. I like to be open-minded. I'm not open-minded. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you can convince me, you can convince me. But um, this is like, if you, you know, you can, you can get in here if you have the password, but if you don't, I'm not just going to be open to any and everybody and everything. We are supposed to guard our minds. Hmm. We're not supposed to be open-minded. Mm -hmm. Um. And the best way to guard your mind is to learn learn the arguments. You you know you learn the arguments not so that you can not so that you can tell people off, but if somebody 
kicks in the door and says God's not real, mm-hmm. you can say, yes, he is. And they'll say, yeah. well, how do you know that? Okay, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And nine times out of 10, they'll just shout, God's not real again and run away. Yeah. yeah. Because contrary to popular belief, they don't know what they're talking about any more than we do half the time. Yeah. Um, they're just far, far more bold because somehow being a non-believer has become synonymous with being smart. Right. Like you're, you're automatically intelligent if you don't believe something. I've never understood people defining their intelligence by what they, what they don't know. But that's where we are. Fair point. But, yeah. Let's say somebody getting on the topic a little bit of becoming biblically literate, right? Like someone wants to become biblically literate. What would you say would be like the first couple of steps someone could take from going from this place of like maybe they were challenged by, you know, Reddit atheist or TikTok atheist or whatever. And like now they want to become biblically literate. What should they start with? Should they start by picking up a Bible or maybe pick up a commentary, start watching sermons? What should they do? Well, I, su- I suggest, first of all, if, if at all possible, the best thing to do is find somebody who you know is biblically literate to mentor you. Um, it's not an option for everybody. Um, I've been very blessed throughout my life. I had a, I had a mentor who was extremely intelligent. Um, he passed away in 2014, unfortunately, but he, um, he, um, one of my brothers and I used to have Bible studies. And that's that's kind of where I got started. He would um, it's where I learned what Calvinism was too. His one of his favorite pastimes was arguing with Calvinists, um, and um, and this is something he said. He's like some people some people play video games, I argue with Calvinists. That's what I do. That's that was, that was just his thing. But um, but yeah. So finding somebody who can mentor you is probably is probably the best way to go. Because well, that's what everybody's been doing for for literally thousands of years, um, and it's it's just easier than than doing it on your own, um, and you're less prone to error. It's like, um, well, I think someone said this before, but I got it from The Witcher. It's another reference. Um, you're practicing. Uh, what's the girl series was practicing her um, swordsmanship by herself. Mm-hmm. And someone told her, oh, when you're practicing by yourself like that, all you do is put your errors into muscle memory, hmm. basically, because hmm. you don't have anybody to correct you. Um, and it's, it's sort of that way with reading the Bible. Actually, another someone I saw on TikTok had said that um, trying to learn about the Bible by reading the Bible is like trying to learn how to play the guitar by playing the guitar. Um, you're going to figure, you, you know, you're going to figure out notes and things like that eventually Mm -hmm. but you're not going to get very good and it's going to take a very 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 long time right Mm -hmm. um so should you read the bible certainly but you need to find someone who's read it and someone someone who is versed in it Mm -hmm. so that they can mentor you now if you don't have the option of finding a, a someone who can mentor you in person i suggest um a couple of finding a good resource I said we started and we started with C.S. Lewis, my brother and mm-hmm. I um, started with C.S. Lewis and it kind of it kind of snowballed from there. And that's that's probably going to be the next step. But we started with C.S. Lewis and you can it, it's so easy now because you can literally go and go on any any Facebook group of like for theology or something like that. And that's another thing. Look for theology groups, not you know, Christians against drunk driving or something right. like that. That's not going to help you. But um, you find, and you're going to find a whole bunch of different types of theology. To be honest, mm-hmm. as long as they're not denying Jesus, um, it doesn't really matter because you're going to you're going to start with the basics, right? And all of the all of the high theological stuff doesn't come until later. Right. It's like I say, I didn't even realize until I was far, far, far. Um, deep into uh, my studies that um, half the people I was reading were Anglican and the right. other half were Calvinists. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I, I, I couldn't tell because we hadn't gotten into those points yet. Right. 
So yeah, just ask somebody, hey, I'm trying I'm trying to get started. What are the best books I can read? What can I get into? Um, you're gonna get um 80% of the people are gonna tell you to read mere Christianity. Yeah, and I'm gonna be one yeah. of them. But that's it's it's a great place to start and people will give you things that aren't too high up. Mm. Um, I found um, another issue is you kind of have the um, where the average church person is um, theologically. And then when it comes to these books, these books are like a step above that. So they're hard to understand. But um, people simpler, simpler books like C.S. Lewis's stuff and even like even like certain types of fiction, like even like the Narnia books, or we we need more Christian fiction. But even something like, ooh, I'm I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, but even something like the Shack <laughs> is is a place to start. It's <laughs> certainly not a place to yeah. end. Yeah. But um, but even that stuff is okay because then once you learn a little bit, once you learn more, you can look back and say, oh snap, that was modalism. <laughs> um, but um. Yeah, so that's good. That's good. To reiterate, you start with you. I would suggest finding a mentor or or a group. If anybody's listening to this needs that, I do. I actually do Zoom Bible studies on Zoom every Saturday at eleven a.m. Eastern time. Mm. But find something, a group, either in your church, without your church, or if the last thing, if you don't have a mentor, and if you're not into those books. I would get with somebody, read through a book of the Bible. I would suggest something in the New Testament. Um, I mostly suggest starting with Galatians because it's short and it's not super complicated. Mm -hmm. um, read through it. Read straight through it, line by line, and talk about it. Mm -hmm. um, just discussing the scriptures, you'll be surprised how far you'll get just discussing these things mm -hmm. and hashing out um, the differences in what you believe and what you're getting out of it. Um, what I found in my Bible studies is someone will say, they'll read just, for example, 2 Timothy 2.15, mm -hmm. and they'll say, okay, so we're supposed to study to show ourselves approved, um, rightly dividing the word of truth. And then someone will ask, okay, so what does it mean to rightly divide the word of truth? Is it possible to wrongly divide the word of truth? And the next thing you know, you and this person who you you normally talk about anime with or whatever you're into mm -hmm. will end up, you're having a theological discussion. Right. And this is why I say this stuff, right. it, it, it gets, you end up getting higher and higher and higher. But at the beginning, this, this stuff is, this stuff is not difficult at all. Right. And if you are, humble and teachable um because that's that's a big thing too you you can't be in the camp of this is what i was taught so this must be true um but yeah if you are humble and if you're teachable and if you are genuinely searching which again a lot of people are um you'll get really far that way mm -hmm. and um the last thing the the next step i think is actually easier because the first step is the hardest one um once you get into it, what I what I will do is I will get books and you can read books. If you don't have time to read, get an audible subscription. Mm -hmm. It's worth it. Yeah, you can get yeah. you can get a book a month for 15 bucks. First of all, that's cheaper than physical books. Mm -hmm. And um, and if you unless you buy them secondhand like I do, but you can start like these. You can see on my bookshelf back here, I have a bunch of N.T. Wright books. Um, yeah, I got um, I got into I got into N.T. Wright because well, I started because I saw the um, I heard somebody talking about it, um, but I was I just started listening to his books on Audible, and you will you will find yourself soaking up so much information and what these authors do. And you also, you don't have to read scholarly books, by the way, you don't need to get these huge scholarly books or just the scholarly books condensed for, you know, regular people. Mm -hmm. But what they'll do is they'll mention, well, this author said this and this author said that, mm -hmm. and it'll be in their bibliography. 
if you hear a quote that you like, write down where it came from, get that book, mm-hmm. and read it. And before you know it, you'll have an entire library of books, most of which you've probably read, and you'll you'll be you'll be there in no time. Like, yeah, for me, it's for me, it's been about ten years. But a lot of that, I really started getting into actual theology and not just apologetics, maybe six or seven years ago. And I started, this kind of shows you where the state of the church is. I really started like really grinding into it about a year ago when I got ordained because Mm -hmm. I got ordained and I was like, oh snap, I'm officially a minister now. I basically am thinking, God is looking at me. If I mess this up, he's going to hold me accountable. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is a scary thought. A thought yeah. that's why I'm, I don't, I don't know why anybody, well, I know why somebody would want to do this, but um, if you're not called, that's okay. You get to, you get to keep your hair and it gets to stay the <laughs> same color. But, um, but great. even, even it's if you're not, your even if you're not trying this. to do ministry, um, like, like even if you're not trying to do ministry, just seeing what people, what other people have read, and what has influenced them, you mm-hmm. will end up, and you will find your place. I believe in, I believe in discernment, mm-hmm. um, and I believe that discernment grows. And I, I don't believe this, this discernment is necessarily some. It's spiritual, but it's not necessarily just this miraculous thing that like the sermon isn't telepathy. Hmm. Yeah. Um, what what you learn, the more you learn, the better your discernment becomes. So when someone comes to me and says and someone has said this to me, not just once, but many, many, many times um, that Jesus is a created being because he said, I'm the light of the world and God created light. I can say, wow, um, to put it gently, that's one of the dumbest things I've ever heard because I, I have the, I, I understand one. I understand when a person is trying to Frankenstein two scriptures together to make a point and not letting the Bible just say what it says. And I understand what Jesus means when he says, I am the light of the world, but I might not know that. If I didn't, um, if I hadn't studied and you brought up commentaries um, to be perfectly honest, and I might be in the minority on this opinion. If you're starting out, I I would not suggest reading commentaries until you are kind of far. I I don't want to say advanced, but at least like on an intermediate level Um, for a beginner, I would not I would not advise reading commentaries because Commentaries are written by people and people have people have their own opinions. Even holy people have their own opinions. I, I, I know I keep bringing up Calvinism, but I was um, I was actually I have my ESV study Bible right there. And um, I was reading through the Gospel of John. I looked at the notes and it said on this part, oh, this is where Jesus proclaims. Um, I don't remember what it said, but I think he said like the doctrine of it was one of those tulip things like um, I, I want to say unconditional election. And I want to say, okay, if I didn't know what Calvinism was, I would say, oh, okay, that's what that means. And next thing I know, I'm a Calvinist. And I mean, not like the, not that there's anything wrong with being a Calvinist, but you want to become a Calvinist because you read the scriptures and that's what you take out of it, not because somebody told you that's what's in the scriptures. Um, um, unintended consequences of sola scriptura. I know, I know the uh, some some of my Catholic friends wouldn't like that because. You're not supposed to interpret the scriptures for yourself, but you know that's why I say to get with a mentor. That's why I say to study with other people. And I, I think that's the last thing I would say is that, and I, I can't emphasize this enough, especially in this day and age. Christianity is not and was never meant to be a solo thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. we were never meant to do this by ourselves. Um, if you're supposed to be one, you're you should be with a church. Hmm. You should be with a local church. If you can't find one, try to find one. Uh, and if if all of the churches in your area are just 
hot trash, which trust me, I'm from Detroit. I know how it is. Um, then at least, yeah, at, at least get with the group. Like I said, I do Bible studies every Saturday, and if that is um if that is the only access somebody has to church for the time being, I wouldn't say that's a permanent fix. Then so be it. Hmm. But don't do it by yourself hmm. is the biggest thing. You weren't meant to do it by yourself. Um, that's why you know we have apostles, pastors, teachers, and whatnot um, to equip people for for work in the ministry. Yeah. That's a that's a whole nother uh, thing. But yeah, so I would find a mentor, um, start reading books, things that are on your level. Mm-hmm. Um, you will eventually get better and wiser. And don't do it. Excuse me. Don't do it by yourself. So that's how I would suggest becoming biblically literate. That's great. And and like we hinted at the beginning, don't don't rush it. Hmm. Um, at the end of the day, you're got. At the end of the day, you need you need to know this stuff, but you're not saved by what you know. You're saved by grace. Hmm. So love that quote. You confess, you believe, you're good. Everything else is just building on that, hmm. and you can you know you can build as quickly and as well as you want. Hmm. That's great. Love all those points. Um, only thing I would add is to have some kind of, uh, at least in those books that you're looking up, have some kind of hermeneutical foundation so you know like when you're reading the Bible, how to not take it out of context, like how to find historical background, all that kind of stuff. What do you think is like a good place for people to go to, to find those resources? Because I know mentors can teach that really well and books can teach that really well. If you're in a group, people are going to call you out on misinterpreting things or using the scriptures incorrectly and stuff like that. Um, yeah. Do you think um, creating good hermeneutics just comes as a product of being a part of all of those things? Um, or is there some other kind of way we need to learn it? Um, I think it can come as a product of all those things because... Mostly because we've been taking the Bible out of context for so long. All everybody is railing against taking the right. Bible out of context. So that's going to be one of the first things you run into. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you happen to not run into that, and that, that's actually really diff, that's actually really difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, just how how to you know how to do hermeneutics mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Um, I would suggest um, if you, as a starting point, again, I might be in a minority on this. Mm-hmm. The best way to start is reading, especially if you can get a read, especially if you can get a reader's Bible mm-hmm. that like doesn't have scripture numbers and stuff in it or verse numbers and stuff mm-hmm. in it, going to the New Testament in particular and just reading it straight through and the reason i say that is because especially if you if you grew up in the church if you didn't grow up in i would suggest the same thing if you didn't grow up in the church um but if you did grow up in the church you will quit like we're reading through romans right now in my bible studies and it's always it's always fun to see the reaction when we come to one of those scriptures that you've heard a billion times and it's in context. We came up against um, um, just last week. We came up against the um, all things work together for the good of them who love him and called according to his purpose. Mm-hmm. And someone in my Bible study said, "I struggled with that for such a long time because when my her her parents passed away almost back to back, like a year apart, oh. she lost both of her parents." Mm-hmm. And she said that she struggled because she she would ask God, how how is this working for my good? Mm. Like, how am I benefiting by this? And the conclusion she had almost come to, thank God she didn't, but the conclusion she almost came to is that this isn't working for my good. Mm. So either I don't love him enough or I'm not called according to his purpose. Mm. And obviously that was so dead wrong yeah because he's taking that scripture and again started with how does this apply to me before asking what does it mean right mm-hmm. and so at going through that we've seen that that whole all things working together for the good of them that loved him was paul talking about god's redemption mm-hmm. and it didn't have anything to do with you yeah um 
but people, but you realize that just by reading it. And honestly, if, if you if you're not reading a a difficult translation, if you're not one of those King James only, if you're not one of the King James only folks, and you know, the, I, I don't have anything against King James only. I get it. I like the King James. I like it a lot. I got a 1611 King James that I read all the time. But if you're if you have a translation that you can understand, the Bible is not a difficult book. It can be complicated, but especially um, when it comes to the New Testament, it's not hard. Um, and I'm getting a lot of this, too, from my wife. So I, I thank God that I have somebody living with me who is going through this process right now. And granted, she has me, you know, for for what good I can do for her. But she she's reading through it. And she's just realizing, oh, this is simple. And she has found herself. It's 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 crazy to see her growth. I tell her all the time. I'm, I'm so proud of her because she will find herself saying, well, the Bible says this or doesn't it or doesn't it say this or should we even be correcting me sometimes and all of that comes from just reading it because at the end of the day this is another thing the holy spirit is a thing he's going to help you if you put in the work so if you if you want to start learning how to study the Bible, and again, this is sort of, I guess, what I would call a worst case scenario. If you are just, if you're on a desert island, you have nothing but you and your Bible, um, I said, just read it. it. Just read it and it'll it'll come to you. It won't be perfect. You're gonna make some mistakes um, and that happens. There's stuff that I'm sure that I'm wrong about. I'm still learning things every day, but that that's the great place to start is to just start reading it don't rush it don't try to complete the bible in a certain amount of weeks or months or anything like that um just read it and and let god do his thing and and it'll come mm -hmm. yeah earlier you were saying that um trying to read the bible without any like mentor and just like getting in it is kind of like trying to play the guitar without anyone teaching you so i just want to ask a clarifying yeah. question are you saying that you should read it along with having a mentor or are you saying just have a mentor you ask questions to, and then after that, start reading it later, just so people aren't confused. Oh no, you. Oh yeah, no, you don't want to show up to a guitar lesson without a guitar. <laughs> yeah. Um. So you you should be reading it, and, and it's like I said, worst case scenario, if if you're on a desert island with just you and your Bible, mm -hmm. you know, just read your Bible. Right. But if you if you have access to a mentor, you should definitely be reading your Bible. Can I, and I'll bring up my wife again, because like I said, I'll come and, you know, she came to me one day. I had no idea. She just came to me one day and said, hey, I just finished Daniel. Um, and I wanted to ask you a question. I'm like, what do you mean you just you just read like the entire book of Daniel? When did you do this? And she's like, I've just I've been reading it like all week. I'm like, OK. And and she was able to come to me with those questions. So if you're going to. You, a lot of it is going to be asking questions. Um, so, but if you, so if you have somebody to mentor you, yes, you should be reading and you should be, and again, you should be learning. You're going to be learning things for yourself. You're going to be, your discernment is going to get better and better the more you study it. Mm -hmm. But if you have a mentor, if you have a group, it's best to just discuss it as you read it. The best way to do it honestly, is to sit down and go through it line by line with that person who is mentoring you. So you, you're you learning what this means, what it says, what the context is as you go. So then when you come back to it later, you already know what's being said in this passage or what's being said in this particular chapter. And even when you go to church, um, I'm the most annoying person you can possibly go to church with because and I'm trying to stop doing this. <laughs> I, I will I will lean over in a second and say, that's not what that means, <laughs> by the way. Um, but it um, but it helps. And and that's why. And now I can and it helps you to even enjoy those um even even if the services is are, are a little off, um, it helps you to one enjoy the the theologically sound ones yeah. a lot more, yeah. and 
it helps you to pick out the pick out the bad and the good in those if there is any good in those who are not quite as sound mm. but yeah to answer your question definitely if you, you're getting with a mentor or something you should be you should be reading your bible along with them so you can have something to discuss with them you should never just i mean you should obviously be with somebody you can trust mm. but me um i am i am a christian through and through but i am also a skeptic at heart mm. um i don't trust people's opinions um <laughs> Part of that is um, part of that is, is experience. Hmm. Some of it might be ego, but people's—I I don't trust people's opinions. So when someone tells me something, the, the best thing—the best thing to do is go and you know, go and double check it, pray about it first of all, but go to the scriptures and and see what you think about it. And if you disagree, go to them and say, "Hey, you said this, but I don't agree." I don't think that's right. Hmm. And they should be able to explain to you why you're wrong. Or maybe one day, this probably won't happen for a very long time if your mentor is any good, but maybe one day they'll say, oh, snap, I never thought about it that way. I think you might be right. And at that point, you know, you're on the right track because, you know, you're learning for your you're you're learning for yourself. You're you're working out your own salvation. Um as Paul would say. Mm -hmm. So yeah, definitely, definitely read your Bible. Read it on your own and read it with someone. Going back even before... Sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. Going back even before like desiring to become biblically literate, how do people do that? Because I know a lot of pastors, when people are asking, oh, like, what translations am I... And like start to read just because it's it's a struggle for so many people to even like desire to read the bible or like find that um the desire to be biblically literate right even beyond reading the bible like it's gonna be harder for someone to pick up a biblical commentary or like actually go out and find a mentor um, than it is to just pick up the bible um maybe not for some people but it's a lot of work and so how does somebody find the motivation to become biblically literate i guess is the question um, well, that's tough um, because that's going to, you know, that that's that's gonna that's that's gonna be very very subjective. It's going to depend on. It's really going to depend on your experience. Unfortunately, a lot of people have to have an experience like mine in order to desire to become biblically illiterate. When being biblically illiterate becomes detrimental. Um, unfortunately, most people. The, um, their house falls down before they realize it was built on sand. Um, and some people just decide not to rebuild it. And some people decide to rebuild it on a rock. Um, but so as far as now, if you are, say you are, you are a believer, you are a Christian and you just don't feel in your heart that you that you need to become biblically literate. You're like, my life is okay. I'm fine. I'm good. Um, I have faith. Yada yada yada. Um, to that person, um, I would say you're being selfish and irresponsible. <laughs> um, because oh, and I'm glad I get a chance to get into this. It almost slipped my mind. Um, the reason that we have pastors and pastors and teachers and apostles and evangelists and prophets is to equip us for the work of the ministry. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's not to equip us to feel good and be confident in our faith. Now, don't get me wrong. It, it's great for us to feel good and be confident in our faith. You know, just like having a, you know, having a firearm in your health house makes you feel safe but the purpose of that thing isn't to make you feel safe it's for an emergency um and the reason you become biblically literate isn't to make you feel smart or make you feel secure in your faith it's for the work of the ministry it's for you to go out and make disciples not and i heard i don't remember who said it but we're supposed to make not converts 
it's easy to get somebody, you know, hold a revival, get 1,500 people to the altar, and, oh, everybody got saved. Everybody accepted Jesus. Whoop-de-doo. Okay, what do they do now? Right. I mean, they got Romans 10 and 9. That's, that's the whole Bible for them right now. Like, who is going to teach these people? Who is going to lead these people? And eventually, they're going to fall away. But imagine if you were in your church, but your church has 200 people in it. One day you have an, just an amazing experience. 30 people decide they want to get saved. Okay. Well, is pastor going to be able to mentor all these people? It's a lot of people. But what if 100 of your 200 members are so well-versed in scripture, just having conversations with them, you end up learning things. Because I mean, and this is this isn't me bragging. This is just me like describing my personality. I quote scripture all day. It's just you know, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It's what I do. It's what's in my head. It's like I um I was actually um telling Ethan when we talked that um now whenever I pull out my phone, if my daughter is around, I have a two year old. If I pull out my phone and I turn the camera on, if she sees my face on that camera, she thinks I'm recording a TikTok and she'll just start saying the Bible, the Bible, because she she already knows what I'm about. Um, but imagine if you were surrounded by people like that. How how much how much you would learn. I know a guy who's a guy that goes to my church, actually, who is a. Um like an like a appliance technician, basically. He fixes air conditioners and furnaces and things like that. He started out his job as a groundsman picking up trash for an apartment building. But he spent so much time hanging out with the mechanics and the, and the maintenance guys that he just learned enough that he was able to get a job doing that with barely any training. And so... If a person, if if you're the type of person who says, I, you know, I'm good where I am. I don't, I don't need all of this stuff because somebody, I, I literally had a guy tell me that he saw my bookshelf behind me. He said, um, um, you've been reading all them books. You need to put, you need to, you need to put them books down in something. I don't know. Uh, it's it, it's your classic anti anti intellectual garbage. But if you if you're that type of person. That's what I say you you're being selfish because you you can't do the work of the ministry if you if you don't know if you don't know the gospel through and through. I mean, imagine if when they you know if when they accused when they accused Paul, he said, "Uh, uh, well, I'm not sure what the Jewish scriptures say about this, but I think." that um abraham and, and they would be like okay well this guy doesn't know what he's talking about so this jesus guy ain't about nothing that that's how it would have went but the reason paul was so effective was because he knew the scriptures like the back of his hand he was pharisee hmm. um, and that that's the point of all this that's why we need to be able to do it and if you are the type of person who wants to become literate um i would say first of all wanting to is wanting to is the first step you you don't have to you don't have to go through a crisis like i did um but yeah if if you want to like find it finding that motivation is finding that motivation is is easy if you're already and honestly if you're if you're already a disciple of christ finding that motivation is easy especially if you do if you and I, that's why I'm, i thank god for the community that i have found especially on tiktok hmm. because i see all of these people who are who honestly make me feel dumb when they start talking about the bible hmm. and um and it it it, it, it may it makes it sometimes it makes me feel inadequate but at the same time it, it lets me know that it, it it makes me happy that, there, that there's so much further to go. Mm -hmm. It's like you ever been, <laughs> this is a stupid example, but have you ever been drinking something out of a cup and then you put it down and you don't remember whether or not you finished it? And then you <laughs> pick it up and you see there's still something in there and it's like, yes, there's more. I'm so happy. That's so funny. <laughs> That's how I feel of seeing all these people. There, there's still more to go. And once you get into it, first of all, it's fun. It's a ton of fun. Yeah.
mm-hmm. it's fun it's fascinating and it just it just feels great and you feel and i and the, and the a sort of a personal model that i have to myself that that's study is worship hmm. studying is a form of worship it's like you know I, I, i'm not a very emotional dude so you know when i go to church and i hear the music and all that other stuff it's great it's cool and it 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 it's good but when i feel uh quote unquote feel the spirit if you will is when i'm sitting in this office and i am just burying myself in in god's word because it's like you know god it's, it's like it's like I'm, I'm just hanging out with god i'm just hanging out talking theology with god mm-hmm. I mean, it's like I feel like like if a paleontologist actually was able to go to Jurassic Park, right, or <laughs> yeah. something crazy like that. So yeah, but um, yeah, that motivation I I would say for any believer, your motivation to learn should be to do work in the ministry because there's, like I said, the harvest is plenty, the laborers a few. You need to be a laborer. You know, we don't we didn't bring you on board so that you could sit around and eat all the wheat you're supposed to be laboring yeah that's good so yeah yeah so as we come to the end of the show earlier you were talking about your book and you mentioned that you were um you'd be excited excuse me excited to talk about that a little bit so yeah like let's um i guess like if you want to share a little bit more about it more than maybe you already have and Mm -hmm. like how it can help people spiritually we can do that because we're we're getting to the to the end of the our time so we want to give you space to okay talk about that yeah. Okay. Real quick. Um, I, I will talk about it because and, uh, just a, a, a brief history of it. Mm. I was going through a, I was going through a bit of a crisis of faith. Um, I was 20 years old, was in a terrible relationship and I had just gotten my butt kicked by some atheists. So I was done. So I sat down and I, w- I was thinking, I was actually writing for a contest mm. and I just wrote out this conversation between the person in this conversation was me and the author was God. So this, so I'm the character that you created. So I'm asking these questions, you know, why do you, why do I have to, why do I have to go by your plot? Like, why do you, why do you put me through all these things? Why do you put your characters through all of these horrible situations mm. just for the sake of your plot? Why can't we do whatever we want to do? And the author at every turn, is answering these questions and what i found my and what i found is that when the author answers these questions he's not saying this is why i hate it when people depict god as like stumbling over his words and stuff when people ask him questions like he's not all knowing um not only is he answering these questions he's shooting them down like not only like it's not like oh i understand where you're coming from but it's like no what you're saying doesn't make any sense and here's why uh, and that's how they all went. So that is what became this novel. So now this man named Stan, his wife was murdered by a serial killer who he's been chasing for years. He's just about to catch up to this guy when here comes the writer. Guess what? Your whole chase of this serial killer, it's actually a series of books. I don't know how I want it to end, so I want you to write the ending. And the reason I think the um, it can help people is that it takes these theological concepts because we talk about the the whole overall theme of the book is God's sovereignty. You know, God is the author. You know, what the author writes is what happens. And you you can't escape the plot. One another line from the book, another line from the book is like, like you don't get it. The plot is the story. If there's no plot, you don't exist. If God, if there's, if God doesn't have a plan, then none of this happens. You can't step outside of the sovereignty of God. Um, but it explores things like that, like God's sovereignty, the problem, the problem of evil, and what happens when you try to write your own ending, when you try to step outside of God's plan and do your own thing. Um, disaster happens. So. And I think that it brings those theological concepts in hopefully an entertaining way. So it's um I've heard good things about it, <laughs> but um yeah I think if anybody I think anybody who enjoy and it's a short read too I think if anybody who enjoys books would enjoy 
that one. And it's um, it, it it's overtly Christian, but it's not, you know, beating you over the head with it. Uh, what's that called again? Uh, it's called the end. The book is called The Ending: A Dialogue Between a Man and His Creator. But if you just look up the ending um, with Marcel Cooper, it'll pop up. Okay. And then one last question we always pose mm-hmm. to our guest. Dare you want to take it? Yeah. Like the way so you frame it. we like to have like a fun question at the end of all of our podcasts where we ask our guests if they were trapped in a gladiator arena in Rome and they get to choose one animal they're going against. What do they think is the biggest animal that they could take down that's like a predator? with a melee weapon that's not futuristic, that's legit, that's real, and not operated by some kind of power, like a chainsaw or something like that. So like swords, uh, knives, spears, stuff like that. What's the biggest predatory animal you think you could survive an attack against and defeat? The biggest animal? Um, well, I have, I have no skills with any kind of weapon. <laughs> so... I'd have to pick something something easy. Yeah. Um with a lot of reach. So I'd probably get like a pole axe or something. Smart. I could just Smart. swing. And um the biggest animal I could take down, I would probably want to get the slowest thing I could find. Mm. So a predatory animal, I I could I am sure I could handle a um like a like a Saint Bernard. <laughs> wow. I wouldn't want to hurt a dog, yeah. but if it was trying to kill me, then yeah, a St. Bernard with a poleaxe, I think I could take nice. Yeah, there's not many it's like unique. slow, like I'm thinking like, what's the slowest predatory animal, but then it's like, well that- you're Like a boar or something? Maybe, but it's like, you're not a predator if you're slow usually. Yeah. You know, you're yeah. usually predator means fast. I don't think they're predators either. I think they're just mean. <laughs> Boars, you said? Yeah. yeah, I think they eat like I think you know there's pigs. I think that's, they eat truffles. That's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. Wow. That is good answer. I like that. Pigs so, is short man syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> nice. Right on. Well, thank you so much, uh, Marcel, for coming on our show, guys. Remember, you can find all his content at Project Two Fifteen on TikTok and Instagram, YouTube. It's a Project Two Colon Fifteen, mm-hmm. and then your website is just yes. Project Two Fifteen dot com. Dot org. Dot org. Sorry. Mm-hmm. And then make sure to pick com. up his book as well. That sounds really interesting. I'd love mm-hmm. to get myself a copy as well. And then when we were talking the coffee shop, you were mentioning how you're wanting to or in the process of writing another book. Did you want to touch on that at all? Or do you want to just keep that? Oh, sure. Uh, oh, I, I want to talk about this. I'm super passionate about it mm-hmm. really quick. Um, I um, like I said, I grew up in your tip. I grew up in your typical black church. And um, and so I ha- and I still am. And I, I so I have a, a I have a huge attachment to it, but we've gone so far astray and there are so many things. So I'm, I'm writing a, I'm in the process of writing a book right now called um, What Happened to the Black Church? And it is about how the church, and when I say the black church, I mean the, the African-American church that started during slavery um, that went from enslaved people meeting in secret to talk about the real gospel as opposed to the watered down gospel they were getting from slave masters and grew up into the church that that led the civil rights movement Mm. that influenced music um with gospel and that was basically been on the cutting edge of our culture for the last 200 years Mm. and now we are just um it, it's kind of been petering out what with the prosperity gospel and the rise right. of the Hebrew Israelites and things right. like that. So, and I would really love to, you know, put something out there to show like how this, this very powerful organ in the body of Christ is it's done so much good and still has so much good that we can do. But right now that organ is sick and it needs treatment. Mm. So that's what I'm writing that book about. I'd love to read that. Yeah, yeah that sounds super interesting. Um, whenever it comes out, we'd love to have you back on to, to talk about it and yeah. you know, get the word out there. That'd be great. And try to spread that. 